0: CITR 101.9 FM. Today, we will be speaking with Tony Millionaire. He's the creator of Mackie's, Billy Hazelnut, Sock Monkey, and a whole bunch of more drunken goodness. I'm joined by Colin Upton, and I'll just bring Tony on the line. Welcome to the show, Tony Millionaire, creator of Billy Hazelnut's, Mackie's, and uh, more. Mm-hmm. Sock Monkey is yet another one that's, here. That's, I'm working on a Sock Monkey book now. A Sock Monkey book. Is it going to be another issue, or is it going to be a book? Bu- like book, book.
1: I'm doing one which is four issues, that, which are connected. So it's, uh, eventually, it'll be a uh, full uh, paperback book. But it'll be, but it'll come out in four separate issues. Okay. And that's Back to the regular comic book form.
0: The the pamphlet form, as people like to call it now.
1: Yeah, I don't know what people are calling it anymore. I I, I used to call them comic books, but
0: that's that's a term I like too.
1: Yeah, somebody started to use the term chapbook, but uh, I guess it was almost derogatory.
0: That kind of takes away from the years of uh work that people put into comic books. What? That a name like chapbook kind of takes away from, you know, the great thing that is comics. Yeah, it does.
1: It so, sounds like also the pamphlet, but on the other hand, the word pamphlet used to be used for a great piece of pieces of
0: work. Now, Billy Hazelnuts is your uh, latest creation note from uh, Fantagraphics. Uh-huh. It's your first graphic novel?
1: It sort of, it sort of is. That just depends on how you define a graphic novel because I did one, uh, a sock monkey book, which was about 40 pages long, which was a hardcover in color. So I guess you could call that a graphic novel. But this one is uh, like 110, 120 pages. And it's uh uh I it's it's they there's Fantagraphics is calling it Tony Millionaire's first graphic novel for Fantagraphics.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I
1: mean you know it all because you know, once again we come down to defining exactly what kind of a book a book
0: is. That's a sly use of terminology. Yeah. So Billy Hayes not uh, it's an epic story of a uh, creation by the local critters of the house. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the creation of Billy H- Hazelnuts. Is it li- like as a sidestep from Mackie's?
1: Uh, it, yeah, it's, well, it doesn't have anything to do with Mackie's at all, really. I wanted it to create something that had all new characters. <laughs> so I, I actually, uh, really wanted to do it as a kid's book. And then, uh, I brought to, to a meeting, I brought three different ideas, and I thought Billy Hazliss was the strongest one. I brought it to Hyperion Books for Kids. And then uh, so I, I thought, well, if I bring Billy Hazliss as the strongest, then no. I'll, I'll bring these others just, you know, I'd have something else to choose from. So they just, they ch- chose another story of mine called Small Things League, which is about some bugs in the backyard. And um, then I had Billy Hazel nuts, and uh, they kind of looked at me like Billy Hazel nuts <laughs> title. Maybe you can think of a change to the title. Uh, I don't know. I guess that I guess Hazel being the color of some people's nuts, they didn't really think that it would work. But uh, so then I took it to Fantagraphics, and they Fantagraphics and said, "We we don't do uh, kids' books." So I said, "Oh, it's not a kids' book. It's an adventure story." And they said, "Okay, good. Let's do it." So I did it. <laughs> I took all the, like, the uh, sex and uh, booze. You know, there aren't any in that story, so if there's no sex and booze in a book, it's suddenly it's a kid's book. So it's kind of a kid's book. <laughs> I mean, it's not a story about a guy walking around with, holding his head in his hands, c- crying about his girlfriend that left him. Well, that's so a good. I, I guess that makes
0: it a kid's book. It's <laughs> a good change for most of the other comics, I think. <laughs> now, your style it's very unique kind of uh, I don't know Victorian-esque drawing style is that a good way
1: kind of it's uh, it's sort of based on the drawings of, of the like teens in 1920s those those old comics and they had a lot of Victorian stuff in them because they were drawing the buildings that were around which were mostly
2: Victorian buildings so were we talking about stuff like Little
0: Nemo yes
1: yeah, stuff like Little Nemo yeah
0: and like uh, Harriman with Crazy Cat
1: you know those two I were just—you know—they're all the grandfathers of comics. But they're they're and uh, you know, everybody could pull them out of a hat. But they are really, truly my favorite cartoonist.
0: Now, what makes the theme of um, in your work of the ship so important? It seems like a reoccurring thing: ships, the great sea.
1: Well, I've always agreed with the idea that you should uh, write about what you know, and I we grew up in Gloucester, Massachusetts. My grandparents were both artists, and they did lots of drawings of ships. So there was always boats and ships around and um, drawings of them. And whenever I think, try to like, you know, dig around in the back of my head for some ideas, I go back in time to my, being me being a little kid in that house, and the smells of like freshly sharpened pencils and oil paints and those ships all over the place. So whenever, whenever I, I even see a picture of one of those ships. I think about the weekends we spent going up there to visit them. Did so you? Oh, sorry. It, it's just something very like crazily nostalgic about ships for me.
2: Did you spend and ships?
1: Are like you know? It's when you wouldn't you think about uh, going into like a. It's like a whole house, but it's on the water and it's, it's and it can go from place to place. You know, then there's windows in it and little rooms inside it so it's kind of like your own head sailing through the world
0: you know is that why the setting in mackie's it makes for such like so many stories to come from it because it's such like an enclosed world in itself
1: sure it is it's a closed enclosed world and it's also the one that that can go to other worlds you, can, you know you can ride your boat over to uh some crazy island or off the edge of the world or you know put wings on it and start flying around
2: have you spent any much time on the ocean yourself?
1: Not really. I had some friends that had sailboats, and they would like ride around in harbors and stuff. But I never really, uh, never really went on an ocean cruise.
0: I should try it sometime. Hope I don't get seasick. <laughs> that would change your comics immensely, I guess. Yeah. Um, drinking being an important uh, role in your comics. Um, I myself a also a drinker. Uh-huh. Um, it, it seems like one of those things in the comics community where people are full on or kind of not at all. As per my co-host Colin, who's a self-obsessed, not self-obsessed, self-described teetotaler. Uh-huh. Is that a good description, Colin? Uh, yes. yes. What 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 makes booze such an important role in Mackie's?
1: Like I say, I write about what I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, the what kind of is that? I've always been surrounded by drunks, and uh, a lot of comedy comes from just the absurdity—absurdity of absurdity pouring poison into yourself and watching what happens.
0: Well, I was reading uh, *The Drippy Towns* on my way here, just to refresh myself, and there's one story, one of those about uh, the party with the guy who uh, closed up his uh, zipper on his. On his sack, I guess. Uh huh. Is is that something from an experience you know, or is it just a fun story? Close up a zipper on his back. On his sack. On his uh, ball sack. He closed up a zipper. That that was one of your comics, one of the Drippy Towns. It was.
1: <laughs> See, this is what happens when you when you when you get all drunk. You don't remember half the stuff you did. But um, that sounds like a good idea. I'm going to write that down and. Uh...
0: It was in a uh, drippy town too. Uh, comics and stories number three it was uh, The Rainbow of Hatred presents Ballwalk with Dale oh. Ash Ashman
1: Dale Ashman yeah that's a ball walk that's uh that's right this is a trick that this guy used to actually do uh, Dale Ashman is a guy who lives in New Orleans and he travels around so a lot of people in different towns know him whenever he comes to town you know you're gonna have a good time he um he used to we, uh, we were at a party the first time I ever saw him do it we were at a party, and he said, watch this. And he pulled his one, one testicle out from his pants, and he zipped it up so that it was just poking out. And then he was just started walking through the crowd, and he said, just watch me. So I stood up on a chair so I could see him, and he walked into this huge crowd at this party. And then I lost sight of him. And then, all of a sudden, I heard this woman scream, and I saw, like, a commotion over there. People started, like, jumping back. And then I heard some angry men shouting, and then I... Uh, I turn over and Dale had like come around the crowd and he was coming up up to me and he goes, he goes, hide me. Because uh, apparently he had bumped the wrong person with his ball and uh, a whole bunch of people got got angry at him. But uh, he's famous for that trick. And he'll just walk around with one ball hanging out without, you know, until somebody finally, eventually notices it. But if you bump into somebody with the ball, that can, uh, that
0: can cause trouble. Uh, that could cause some awkward silences. Yeah. Um, how did you originally get connected with uh, the Terminal City and uh, Drippy Town?
1: Uh, you know, I really don't know that. It's been a uh, long time ago. I can't remember. So I got some kind of contact from somebody who wanted to run my strip in the paper, and uh, then he, he uh, attempted to pay me. It was like small amount because i knew they didn't have a big circulation but the check uh bounced and then and then it bounced again and the thing is every time an international check would bounce because you know even though it's just it's, canada's just over the line and it's an international check so every time that would happen my bank would charge me like fifty dollars so it ended up that the bounce checks were costing more than uh than the checks and um that i was getting so finally i said to them look uh I'll I'll let you have my strip for as long as you want. You keep running it forever and ever, but as, as long as you promise me you'll never try to pay me again. <laughs> so they ran it for free for for a while. Now it's in uh,
0: Drippy tennis. Terminal City still around? No, it went bankrupt. A yeah.
1: couple there some of times. Other magazine? Okay, or something? I think it get a different town. Sorry. I'm, I I I'm trying to keep track of uh these newspapers. Wasn't there another one that came up?
0: There's, um, Derpy Town and Terminal C There's, uh, our paper for the CITR called the Discorder. Right. in town. And,
2: uh... Well, there's the Georgia Strait. That's the alternative weekly, I guess. And the West
0: Ender. The West Ender doesn't only comic they have in there I think it's life is Life as Hell. hmm so. uh-huh. We what? really do miss uh, your strip, by the way. As it was a popular strip among here in Vancouver as a as a weekly thing to check out. So my question yeah. is for booze: What kind of booze do you like?
1: Uh, you, I like beer at this point. It's, uh, I I was a wild and uh, uh, dangerous drunk years ago. I was the guy, you know, this before I even started doing my strip. I was the guy who always showed up at the party with a the bottle of vodka, and, like hidden on my in my coat somewhere, and I would. Um, I just end up being just like completely mad drunk by the end of the night so and, and I ended up in jail a couple of times you know just drunk tank and uh after a while I, on my 40th birthday i decided i was going to quit drinking so i i decided to, to turn to like uh, control my drinking so i promised my girlfriend i would only drink wine and beer so on my 40th birthday I got a a bunch of bottles of Merlot and I just started chugging them down and um, ended up getting just as drunk as I could have on whiskey. And then we were all trying to get into a cab, but the taxi driver, we were in Brooklyn, the taxi driver, he uh, wouldn't take more than four people in his cab. So I started yelling at him, I said, we can squeeze another one in there. And then I got up in the roof of the taxi cab and I started shouting through the windshield i said you bastard let us in your cab and he just freaked out he was like he was out in brooklyn anyway He was a manhattan taxi he just stepped on the gas and took off and started going down the road and we got up to around 40 miles an hour and i thought i could either just hang on till he comes to a stop somewhere or i should jump now because he may get up to 60 or 70. so i just jumped and uh my leg got all cut my pants got ripped open and i got all like I came limping back with blood all over myself and then uh I decided to quit drinking so that lasted about a month I said I gotta quit drinking This is insane so I uh that was the end of that girlfriend and um I decided to switch to only beer so now I only drink beer and it worked out pretty well so that's been like 10 years I've only been drinking beer
0: well wine will give you that hangover that's just nasty the wine hangover I find
1: Yeah, anything will give you a hangover if you drink too much of it. I mean, you can get plenty drunk on beer. The thing is, it's a little bit harder to get... I mean, I got a hangover right now, that I don't know how I managed to get I didn't drink that much last night. But I had a new new idea that I could sleep better if I wouldn't eat any food before I went to bed. So last night I didn't. But then the booze got stronger because I had an empty stomach. So it backfired and gave me a hangover. See, it's it's all science.
0: Physical, physics it's it's the the law of the booze
1: yeah you' got to figure out what to put in there
0: the, the
2: right
1: to balance it's to it, the, to bring about the perfect feeling
0: it is a delicate balance because if you go too far it's a mess but yeah. once you hit that you, that right right going Colin's just staring at me like <laughs> I'm on glue right now
1: oh it's uh
0: it is tricky sorry <laughs> i'm 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 a
2: teetotaler, what can I say
0: yeah. did the uh, did the brief moment or the month of uh, sobriety affect your comics because uh, one thing I've uh, I was kind of peeking around on the comics journal board and I don't know if you're just uh, pulling the piss on everyone or just you're saying like how you do all your strips drunk how accurate is that
1: Uh, well I usually um, do the pen the pencil drawings I do uh, usually sober and then I at night, when the kids go to bed, then I start drinking, and I—I I mean, I—I don't, I don't, I have two little girls now, so I don't want to be the guy who's drunk in front of the kids. So I don't—I I try not to get drunk in front of them. But I—and with beer, you know, you can't get that ridiculous. Oh my God, Daddy is insane, whiskey drunk. Yeah. Like he can with hard liquor, so you know that's another reason to to stick only to light beers. I drink like Budweiser, but um. Yeah, I start to, I start drinking beer right around when they go to bed, and then uh, I, that's when I do the inking. So all the ink work that I do is done under at least one beer, and by the end of the night, by, you know, up to 10 or 12 beers. But uh, I, I find that it doesn't really... The, the drawings I do when I'm sober are certainly not any better than the ones that I do when I'm drunk. It's like, it's just a... It's a just a question of like looseness and fluidity of line and uh, you know you gotta get to a point where you're comfortable and you start drawing
0: well your art style is like incredibly tight like one of the most distinct art styles that I see around um, what kind of training went into developing it developing what pardon
1: developing what
0: developing your art style
1: uh, I went to the Massachusetts College of Art I didn't get much training in in the traditional drawing there though it was mostly uh you know all the modern all the modern wackiness that's going on in the art schools <laughs> but i learned uh when i was a kid from my parent, my grandparents and parents my mother was an art teacher and my grandmother and grandfather were both professional artists they were did portraits and seascapes and you know old-fashioned stuff like that so i got my basic uh this is how you draw skills from them. And then when I went to art college, uh, you know, I learned how to be crazy.
2: I, I find your work particularly remarkable because so many strips I see nowadays, it seems like they're so constricted by the small space involved. Uh-huh. What what size do you draw your original um, Mackeys at?
1: Most people draw them pretty big, too. They just shrink them down. I mean, I just I don't know why they're not using the space. But it's strips I draw I draw them like uh, 14 and a half wide by like 4 and a half tall I think but the thing is um, I just get a pen and get down in there and start doing the details a lot of people want to simplify the drawings because somebody came up with an idea 50 years ago so that if you draw the the drawings simpler you'll be able to get get straight to the story and the drawings won't get in the way of the story which uh, I don't know it depends on who you're talking about, I guess. I mean, I think, I guess Charles Schultz started all that stuff, and then you see strips like B.C. and Wizard of Id, where the drawing is just extremely simple. And then it goes even simpler. I mean, I love all those strips. <clears throat> and that is one way to approach it. I mean, with a real quick line, you can get a whole emotion. You look at drawings like by Ivan Brunetti, and he he's good at showing how just two or three quicks quick sketches can, can can bring a whole emotion out. But I just always love drawing uh, details. So that's how I do it.
2: You've got whole naval battles in <laughs> these tiny little yeah, strips. Sure. It's remarkable. I, I,
1: you know what? I draw what I like. Uh, Frank, uh, Frank Miller said that he likes that's, he draws all those uh, busty women because he he he, he draws where he likes to draw, which happens to be boobs. But uh, I, I, that's what I'm doing. I just love drawing naval battles. I like drawing waves and textures. And the, things, the thing is, you can really get lost in it. Sometimes, uh, especially my earlier stuff, it just doesn't go the way you want to, and then you're kind of stuck because you, you're balancing all these all these elements with the, you know dark and light and up and down. And if you don't get it right, if, you, if it starts to tip over, the whole thing tips over. With, with a simpler drawing, you can kind of like just, you know, throw it away and do quick, quick another one.
0: I don't know. Are there, with an interest in naval battles, is there any, uh, want to do any kind of like biographical thing of like a certain situation, certain battles or something as a possible project? A historical piece?
1: Yeah, the problem with uh, doing a historical pieces is that I'd have to follow history. <laughs> so I wouldn't be able to make anything up. It just that just seems like that just seems so tedious. I mean, uh, I see people do it. Chester Brown did an amazing, good book about uh, what's his name, Louis Riel. Mm-hmm. I just loved that book, and it was the story of a uh, an actual historical figure, but. I I, I wouldn't I don't know there's something about following a story that's been written you know in real life and trying to keep true to that story that would that would just you know bring me to suicide after about a month
0: all the research and things like that um
1: yeah I mean yeah I'm not that dry a person I don't think I have to keep jumping from one thing to the next and I I also you know I, I like to invent
0: stuff in that kind of idea then would you let would, would that be something where you would take like historical figures and just do your own with them kind of like uh, i guess you ever watched deadwood i love that show yeah like deadwood i mean it, they take a lot of liberties with that Sure. true um so is that something that might be an idea
1: yeah good idea <laughs> <Back toward
0: it. laughs> um cartoons you had the how do you get wait a
1: minute to go back on the other go hand for oh, instance, oh. when i'm drawing ships i um and i you know i i read like patrick o'brien he does the same thing he takes uh he's doing historical novels but they're novels and they're stories that he's making up but he's using staying strictly within the rules of the time of uh, you know the, the napoleonic wars at sea and he and and what and, and what what i do is when i'm draw, drawing a ship i'll never like just make up a ship i'll always use research so i'm always actually taking a ship that really exists somewhere and, and and draw and then cartoonize that so there is a bit of that that where you have to kind of stick to stick to the history and then make your own stuff from that i mean i see people who don't know anything about ships drawing a ship in a ship and it drives me nuts <laughs> They've got like you know, the mainstay is uh, you know attached to a spar or something. It's ridiculous. I'm like, well, where, what, what's going on? Where's where's this rope supposed to be leading? You know what I it's mean?
2: It's so complicated, though. It's really complicated. <laughs> I, 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 right now, I'm reading a book on British frigates of the Napoleonic Wars, uh-huh. and there's talk of Larbird and and. Just all these naval terms, I just don't understand. It's yeah. a very different world. <laughs> uh, it
1: is. And when I started reading Practical Brian, I had to, I just had to keep a dictionary by, by my side the whole time because every other word I had to look up. But they're all in the dictionary.
0: Mm-hmm. The naval dictionary?
1: <laughs> no, you, any dictionary. You pick up any old dictionary, and it's surprising. There's like all these. Yeah, all these nautical terms and there's like a whole language of nautical terms and they're all in the, in the dictionary
0: and there's probably like 10 different words to say right or left
1: well there's three different ways to say right or left for right you'd say starboard all the time and for left you'd either say larboard or you say port because they changed it to port later
2: oh larboard is port
1: yeah but they cha- yeah larboard is the same as port but they changed it to port because people, people were uh, when the steamships started uh, coming out they were so loud that you'd, shout, you'd shout, uh, turn to larboard to somebody, and they'd turn to starboard because they couldn't hear what you were saying. So they changed it, and they said, turn to port. Oh. Because just to make it easier to distinguish what you know what a guy was saying. because You had to make a turn really quickly, or you crash into another ship. So now you know, larboard starboard. Oh. Starboard, because that's from the olden days when the steering board... On those old Polynesian ships, or, or uh, you know, the Egyptian ships, they would steer with the steering board, and it was always on the right side of the ship. And larboard is where you would pull up to the port to get the larder, the, to the uh, to load your ship.
2: Oh, see, oh yes, yes, that's a... must have steering I...
1: board and lo- lo- loading board.
2: Uh. Yeah, I must and The admit. thing is
1: about nautical stuff is that uh, is, uh, there's so much stuff that that we use in regular language all the time. I'm sure, like six or seven times in this conversation, we've used terms that started from from uh, nautical terms.
2: Yes. Well, you know where uh, the phrase uh, "cold enough to uh, freeze the balls off a brass monkey" came from?
1: Oh, uh, I didn't know it was. Tell me again.
2: Yeah, a brass monkey is what they used to keep their cannonballs on on naval ships. It yeah. was a brass stand that they would put the cannonballs on. When it got cold enough it would freeze and contract, and the cannonballs would fall off.
0: Oh ah, see. That just suddenly doesn't sound as funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've Look, just ruined something called a little it. witty. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs>
1: What is that infernal rocket Rats! cutter woolen pink tail yeah no, yeah no yeah like that. Oh,
2: that way. I yeah yeah
0: on, oh God, yeah 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 yeah
2: Glenn, are you all right? God, 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 God. Get his arms. God. Doc, look what they did
1: to the lady, Doc. They cut him up pretty bad. Where's his hindquarters?
0: They're up on deck, Doc, and there ain't a rat on this ship that'll go after him. It's hell on earth up there, Doc.
1: Confound it. I guess I'll have to use this old fish tail.
0: Okay, now I'm gonna ask about the cartoons. You had the cartoons on was it Mackey's was on Saturday night live? It was. At one point. How did how did that get on there?
1: It was just like the most amazing phone call I had I had for a long time. Guy calls me up and says, Do you wanna do put your, your comic strip on Saturday Night Live? I said, Yes and I immediately saw visions of my Victorian house up on the Hudson River where I was going to buy because I'd be suddenly rich and <laughs> on TV and I'd have a movie and and I'm thinking, let's go. So would well, they started making it and uh, I guess uh, Adam McKay or one of those writers over there was had been reading the strip and really liked it and Jim Signorelli who was he was the guy who's been doing those those parodies of commercials for like since the beginning of Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. He wanted to do start putting producing some cartoons because uh, Robert Smigel had been doing some cartoons, you know, the Biggest Gate Duo and TV Funhouse and stuff so, so Smigel. So uh, Sidney really said, "Hey, I'll do cartoons." He, they made six of them, and they aired two of them, and then something happened. I don't know what happened, but they, they just stopped running them. I don't know if it was some kind of weird infighting or if they just weren't funny enough or what
0: but I don't know I thought they were pretty funny I, I I'd, uh, watched them on YouTube last night and quite enjoyed yeah. them I downloaded them and I'm going to play some of the audio later um, afterwards from one of them I think it's the uh, one with the f- the half mouse half fish
1: yeah that was pretty funny
0: how many of these were uh, just uh, direct interpretations from the comics
1: well most of them were It's, it's you know they, they were very short so it was easy enough to take one of my strips and two you know or two or three of the strips and string them together and make a
0: cartoon out of them uh, How involved were you with the process of actually producing the cartoon
1: there was a director who decided what, the, what was going to happen because I don't know anything about that stuff timing and all that and then uh, and you know the a whole crew of animators and then uh, we all talked about the script and what, would work, what would work best. And then uh, I did I did uh, the drawings of the characters, which, then, which they then animated. So, we did, so I would draw each character, and then they would want a couple of in-betweens to sort of show, show them, well, how does he lift his arm up and stuff like that. But they're very simple animation, so it was a lot of work for me.
0: Is that something you'd like to revisit, to doing cartoons?
1: Well, we are working on the... Uh, pilot, we got a pilot deal from Adult Swim to do uh, the, the Drinky Crow show, which we're working on now. It's almost finished and it is uh, for uh, Adult Swim. Did you already say that? Yep.
0: We'll plug it again, Adult Swim.
1: Yeah, and it's, uh, it's basically the story of Uncle Gabby and Drinky Crow at sea. It's We're doing it in a different style than uh, those Saturday Night Live cartoons. It's going to be like uh, very much quicker and a lot of action. We're using uh, CGI, but it's not, it won't have that plastic CGI look to it. What we're doing is taking my my drawings and wrapping them around CGI models, so that it looks like my comic strips just like popped into 3D and popped into life. Wow! It looks, re- it looks really good. I was really against doing CGI in the beginning until i saw what they were talking about
0: it looks great you're worried it's gonna be like jurassic park meets mackey's
1: well no i mean i I love toy story and stuff like that but i didn't want to to do a cartoon that was going to look like that or jimmy neutron you know i didn't want to have that plastic uh cgi look to it not for my stuff but it doesn't look like that at all it looks like three-dimensional newspaper comics walking around It looks great
0: cool i look forward to that
2: Uh, where, where is this appearing
1: Cartoon Network it's not appearing now what we're doing is we're working on the pilot and if the pilot uh, is good then by the uh, sometime in the fall they'll tell us whether or not they're going to want some episodes and
0: then we'll start working It's uh, they do a whole bunch of different kind of adult-esque uh, cartoons and stuff and you also I just want to quickly uh, also remind people who we're speaking with this is Tony Millionaire creator of Mackey's, Billy Hazelnut Sock Monkey and more including Drunky the Crow and uh, That's drinky. Get, drinky, drinky, the girl. drinky. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and you have a website that people can check out that has. I was going through it, and you have tons of strips on there. It's, uh, it's www.mackieswithtwoways.com.
1: Yeah, you can also get there by going to TonyMillionaire.com.
0: There we go. Check it out if you haven't seen any Tony Millionaire stuff. Um, what's the importance of comics, uh, of the strip format, instead of? Um, the as we said earlier pamphlet regular comic format. I don't
1: know. that's. Uh, it's, I don't know. Everybody had you know. Everybody likes what they like. Myself, uh, what I, I never really read comic books when I was a kid. I would um, read newspapers though. Every newspaper I'd get my hands on. I would read the, the strips. I really loved them because they would just tell these really quick short stories and then move on and you wait till you have to wait till next the next day to read another one. And I would, I remember when we would go over to visit somebody's house, like we'd go over to my aunt's house, and uh, I'd go down in the basement, and they had the stacks of newspapers that they used to save for recycling, and, uh, or they'd take them to the, they organize a paper drive back in those days. And then with, I would just go through the stacks of newspapers, and I'd be untying them, they'd get all mad at me, come on, you got to tie those back up. And I'd just, like, read months worth of, newspaper comics I just sit down in that cellar I love those things Fred Bassett
2: Fred Bassett?
1: oh yeah I just loved it but the simpler <laughs> and, the, and the kinder the comics were the more I liked them the they, because they were just like it's just like you know in the whole chaos of your life you gotta do your homework and uh you know people are gonna laugh at my new haircut and you know oh my god life was just filled with so much stress and horror and then you just open up the newspaper to Fred Bassett and Fred Bassett, you know, he sat Bassett out he's like, come on, get off the couch, Fred I guess I'll go get those slippers it was just so comforting, I
2: love that stuff Well, um, when I look at your work, Fred Bassett isn't the first thing that comes to mind <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, what I'm doing and what, I, what I'm what remembering and what I'm, I'm always going for, but in my own different ways just trying to come to a comfortable zone it's just about going to a place where you feel good and, and now I have to do it with you know drunken monkeys riding around a ship going <laughs> each the brains out of
0: I was going to say it doesn't seem like the feel good funny comic strips of uh, your
1: well no that's no, a different <laughs> now I get I'm, I'm working for a different audience now I'm not working for myself when I was 10 years old in the 60s
2: I was also wondering, did you read a lot of children's books? Because your work does remind me of them.
1: Yeah, I really loved uh, Winnie the Pooh. The original Winnie the Pooh books were so so beautifully written, and the drawings were so great. And that's really where I learned pen and ink, was just staring at those all the little tiniest details of the Winnie the Pooh books. And then when they made those cartoons, my uh, I I read that Ernest Shepard, who had illustrated the books. He saw the first Disney cartoon, and he said it was a travesty, and and uh, A.A. And a. Milton already died, so fortunately he didn't have to see them. And then they just got worse and worse the more they made, and I remember I said to my sister, I said, God, I just can't stand these Disney Poots, this Disney poo stuff, it's just driving crazy, it's everywhere, I'm trying to keep my kids' eyes away from it. And my sister said, "Yeah, I know. You know, we got we got some of the original, the really good ones. The original uh, Winnie the Pooh." I said, "The books?" She said, "No, the original cartoons." <laughs> so she thought that the original the original Winnie the Pooh was the first Disney cartoon. <laughs> and she said, "No, that's great." Like, and I thought, you know what? Nobody even knows about those old books anymore. So I don't know. I love Disney, and I love almost everything that they do. And people think that I'm anti-Disney. I'm certainly not, I, because uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, that movie was just one of the greatest things, and Bambi and all that stuff. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. But what they did to Disney to Winnie the Pooh is a real crime.
2: Well, we remember Winnie the Pooh in this country because... Oh, good. Well, the original bear that Winnie the Pooh was based on was actually brought over to England by a, a Canadian regiment from Winnipeg during World War I. That's right. And uh, there was actually a, a, a movie, a TV movie produced in Canada about that.
1: Oh, really? I'd love to see that. Yeah, I know when the, the original bear was named after Winnipeg.
2: Mm-hmm. It was in a zoo or something, right? Mm-hmm. England? Yeah, it wound up. They, they couldn't take the bear to the Western Front, so they, they left it to a zoo in
0: England. Oh. Taking a bear to the Western Front. you think you'd be more <laughs> worried about everyone dying. a <laughs> yeah, well, wow. bear doesn't have to. Yeah. (laughs) The the odd priorities and more. Yeah. Um, now that you have children of your own uh, and revisiting uh, children's books, do you find that you're going back to the old stuff when you were a kid, or embracing anything in the new stuff, or is it a different type of quality now?
1: Well, I try to show show them the old stuff, but the problem is that uh, like I used to really love the old Raggedy Ann books. And uh, because the drawings in them are just spectacular drawings the, the, of the little bugs and shoes and stuff, they were written in the 20s and, and earlier than that. And uh, I, I'll try to read those to my kids, but the thing is, kids must have had more patience or something in those days because there's just like page after page of just words, and then it's a picture. And the kids are just like, come on, Daddy, let's read Olivia. They want to read something that's, like, got very few words and a lot of pictures so they can, like, make up stories while they're listening to you. So I'm finding that I was, like, taking out some of those old Thornton Burgess books, Reddy Fox and Jimmy the Skunk, and trying to read those to the kids. And I found what I had to do was just flip to the picture, just like, don't even read the book. I'm just like, and then those happy Jimmy the Skunk saw a tree and he went over there he said what's that and then i put the page with another picture and there was a bunny and you know what i mean i have to make up a story just because they don't care about that stuff i also found out that johnny gruel really was not a very good writer and i didn't realize that because when johnny gruel was writing the raggedy ann books the drawings were really good and he was was really great with watercolor and uh, pen and ink his stories are just like this is the happiest happiest time that there ever was you're like whatever come on, ever. Come on. <laughs> it's not happy his, his comics are really good too he used to do a comic called uh, Tweed Eagle but the stories once again the
0: stories weren't very good on him just beautiful art Record, yeah beautiful drawings in the Mackie strip is there ever anything you're like you want to do a strip of and you think oh, that's just too far
1: yeah there is in fact there's one that I actually have penciled and I keep thinking when I get get a, a hard deadline, should I just do that one? And I think, no. My wife says you can't do that one. You're gonna go to hell. You can't do
0: it. has <laughs> Muhammad in <it> or something?
1: <laughs> it's one. It's a long monologue about how I found I I was walking down the street and I saw God, so I just run after after him and grab him by the hair and pull his face back, and smash him in the face, and it's just like me being a bully to God, beating the crap out
2: of him and. What's wrong with
1: that and, they, and the punchline was i guess you could say i found god
2: <laughs> 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 like,
1: and it, but the thing is he's so vicious and the, the violence of it is so vicious that uh it's i don't know it just seems like it, it, i mean a friend of mine you know johnny ryan yeah Oh yeah, filthiest cartoonist on earth.
0: Yeah, I, know. Oh, I love yeah. his new he book. Says,
1: what do you want to pick on God for? <laughs> Dude, it's, it's Even <laughs> he said that was too hard.
0: If Johnny Ryan says it's too much, then yeah, geez. Yeah, but if anyone deserves it,
1: yeah, but it's sort of like it's sort of like you know, running around with a flag that says Nazis are bad. You no, know, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> it's kind of. It, a friend of mine said, why don't you just change it to the devil? This is when I realized that the strip really is not not going to really work. Why don't you just change it to the devil? And then I thought, okay, okay here's the strip, but a guy who beats the crap out of the devil. Now, now see, that's just the stupidest thing you could do. I'm going to beat up the devil. So if you just switch it and make the opposite, I'm going to beat up God. Well, that's stupid, too. The opposite of something stupid is almost always stupid. So what are you going to do? But I don't know. I, I kept thinking if I do this, will be an earthquake or
0: something. Yeah. I, I don't know. Oh, you're in California, right? So yeah. you I never just, know what'll strike up an earthquake there. You're right?
1: You don't want to, oh. don't want to trip the earthquakes
2: <laughs> with comic strips. <laughs> 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 yeah, you never know. Uh, I, I actually asked the same question of Rick Geary, who also does a lot of uh, stuff with the Victorian uh, flavor to it. As uh, what, what are you doing in California? I mean, shouldn't you be on a big House somewhere on the East Coast with a view of the Atlantic, by a harbor somewhere.
1: Yes, that's what I'd rather be doing. But I'm here. The thing is, is uh, my wife is an actor, so we live in California. My wife is Becky Thayer. She was a uh, she was in Mister Show. She does comedy acting. Oh, she's okay. in, um, PCU, and now she's got a job in the show Weeds. And when I moved out here, I will like I was looking around in L.A. saying, this is just this is just terrible. I don't want to live in this place. It's all stucco boxes and palm trees I don't really don't like. We've got to get out of here. And then I was driving around one day thinking, oh my God, there's got to be a little town around here that's decent enough that I can live for a few, for a few years until her career goes in the toilet and then I can move back. We can, move, we can all move back east. But then I just ran into Pasadena and then when I discovered Pasadena, I realized, oh, this this place is great. This place is like Have you ever been to pasadena no no No. pasadena is a gorgeous old town built right around the turn of the century and uh the buildings are all done in that perfect era like in 1915 when um when architecture was switching from victorian to Craftsman. so the windows are bigger and there's more appreciation for the relationship of the inside of the house to the outside of the house there's still all the glass doorknobs and hardwood floors on all the buildings but they're To like livable, I really I really like it here, and it's like always May. It's always like some flowers are sprouting up the garden all year round. So you know, yeah. Ideally, I would live on a a a hill in East Gloucester, looking out at the ocean. But the problem is, the East Coast is more expensive than the West Coast. Really? Oh my God! My brother was just telling me that uh, any place from like Washington, D.C. up to Maine It's like the most expensive real
0: estate in the whole world Well, you could probably find a mansion in Newfoundland for 50000 <laughs> Find a what? Find a mansion in Newfoundland for 50000 Yeah But yeah. you so also be in but, uh, Newfoundland go winter nine months out of the
1: year instead of six
0: <laughs> You know, it's funny though Because I'm a Vancouver boy I lived in Vancouver my whole life And we don't really get winter here uh-huh. It snows maybe once And then I've been to Newfoundland twice for Christmas And both times it was warmer there I've yet to experience a real winter, so...
1: It was warmer in Newfoundland?
0: Yeah. I went to St. John's, and it was like... It was warmer. They do
1: have the jet stream.
0: Yeah, it was odd. That goes
1: up. I I know in Gloucester, it didn't really snow very much,
0: because it was right out in the ocean. So I've yet to experience the big dump of snow. Is there any new comic artists that you're enjoying? Johnny Ryan. Johnny Ryan? (laughs)
1: Yeah, there's a bunch of comic artists that I like. It's very hard for me to sit and rattle names off, though, because there's almost, there's almost, uh... uh, uh, There's, like, such a giant stack of them, of cartoonists that I like, and there's a giant stack of cartoonists that I don't really like that I hate picking them through and going, I like this one, and I like that one, because I don't know. It's like, it's like when I'm looking at the old newspaper comics... People always look to dump on Kathy, because Kathy, that's not an old newspaper comic, but it's a newspaper comic, but Kathy, that strip is written, it's not written for me. It's not written for a hipster, or a Mm -hmm. it's not written for somebody who wants, like, a really great joke. It's written for women that go to work, and are worried about being fat, and read that comic, and they're comforted by it. So that's why... uh, I mean, I could talk about Coverman and Jim Woodring and Gary Panter and Kaz and all those cartoonists that I really like, but then, see, like I just did, I'm just making lists.
0: No more lists. Well,
1: I mean, every cartoonist, like, appeals to a certain uh, group of people. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you ever hear about that fiasco that happened uh, with mach in Vancouver?
0: Oh, I read something about that, with the uh, First Nations community taking quite offense to one of the strips.
1: Yeah, I done a it? strip that I uh that it was about um uh some Indians coming over across the Bering Strait and then they um how the hell did it end up going? It was like they were sh- shooting each other or something and somebody and some one of the Indians said Indian not native to this land, and they had come over the Bering Strait millennia ago. And uh finally the one animal that and the animals came to, with them, two of the big mammals. And the one animal that considered himself to be uh, native, actual native, was the cockroach. And then my, my 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 point was just that basically that everybody on Earth came to Earth from wherever they came from. You know, that, that nobody's really a native of anything. And then I found out, I didn't even realize it, but that, about that whole, like, that's what, like, the. You know, white supremacists are using for an argument I thought, oh nuts! they just sided with the white supremacists <laughs> but i had no idea and suddenly uh i was enlightened with a barrage of emails from the first nation of uh uh the Canada, canadian area
0: and uh <laughs> yeah they asked uh, for I like pretty, i was pretty taken aback uh, i think they asked for like uh an apology from terminal city Say, I
1: apologize. I, I didn't really apologize. What I did was, I said, I said. I mean, I sort of tried to apologize, but I felt kind of silly about apologizing for it because, I mean, you know, I've just stuck my foot into a big hornet's nest and on the wrong side of it. So I, I said, well, I tell you what. Why don't you? Uh, what was the name of that woman? That I said, why don't you? You can take over. You can draw the monkeys for this year for this week. So she did. They were—they were—they told me they were going to like take all the Terminal City papers and all over the city and throw them in the garbage. And I don't know what else they were going to do. But I said, no, no, no—it's just a really believe me, it's a misunderstanding. You write the strip, so she did. She wrote a strip about uh, Elko Gabby, and and then some Indian came and blew his head off or something. I've got to get was <laughs> It was all very funny though.
2: So this was only a problem in Vancouver no, nowhere else
1: in the United States not in the United States nobody hears about the problem because uh, they're so outnumbered now because uh, you know you watch Deadwood oh yeah people down here just killed all the Indians and uh, you know there's, there's a few tribes around and there's casinos and etc but it's it's not like people don't listen to minorities down here they just turn on they just you know they, it's all handled differently. Nobody really talks about it at
0: all. Well, it's more of a—it's the melting pot in the United States where we have the mosaic. In Canada,
2: <laughs> multiculturalism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they should
1: pay attention to it. I mean, I got a bumper sticker that says uh, on my on my bicycle that somebody gave me. It says, "You are on Indian land." And my uh, brother-in-law came over and he saw that and he goes, "What do you care?" <laughs> You know what? Nobody really
0: does care. So, I don't know. That's a different attitude in the States. So, I think we're coming to the end of our time here. Um, Thank you very much for doing this with us, Tony. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Any last questions at all, Colin? Um,
2: I was just wondering about, uh, will you be continuing to contribute to Drippy Town Comics? Sure. That's awfully kind of you, uh was uh, they don't actually pay you or anything. Trippy town. Yeah. No, I've forbidden them to pay me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, they're the they're different from terminals. Terminal
2: C- they they're different from Terminal City. It's not quite the same bunch, but. But, but some of the same people, right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Well, I I shall see you at SPX. So I'm going to make the trek over there.
1: Yeah, I'm well, uh, going to out, be going out there. The t- uh, what is that? in October.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be a madhouse.
1: that should
0: be fun I've never been to the Small Press Expo I've never been to any conventions outside of Vancouver and the ones in Vancouver is basically a room with you know five artists I don't hear my phone doing anything I've
2: I've been to a few conventions I think SPX was the best are you there? yeah oh yeah in 1998
0: okay well thank you very much Tony okay Uh, have a good day bye 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 that was Tony Millionaire creator of Billy Hazelnut's Sock Monkey, Mackie's, and more. Thanks to Tony for coming on the air. I think he was suffering from a mild hangover. I kind of wish I was, too. Really need to be drinking a lot more. As should Colin.
2: Hey, I may be a teetotaler, but I'm still a huge Tony Millionaire fan. You don't have to be
0: drinking for that. But it helps. Next week on the show, we are going to be joined by James Um, Kolchelka. James Kolchelka, actually. He's the creator of American Elf, uh, Monkey vs. Robot, uh, Frontliner of the t- uh, James Kochelka superstar band. I've seen them play. As Colin's going to mention on the show, he has seen twenty or uh, James Kolchelka's Phallus live. I'm sure he's going to mention that in the show because he's told me about ten times.
2: Hey, I wasn't going to bring that up on air.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, week after that, I will be joined by Sean from uh, Sophia's Books. Uh, we're going to interview James Jean, a cover artist for Fables. And a whole whack of other stuff. His uh, new book... Um, oh, God, I can't remember the name of it. It's gorgeous, though. It's really good. And the week after that, I'll be joined um, by Robin Thompson, uh, who is a local creator of Champions from Hell, Zombie Jesus, and more. Um, at the weekend between those two shows is the Comics and Stories Convention at Heritage Hall, which James Jean and Robin Thompson will both be guests signing books and stuff. So if you've got nothing to do on... August 27th, go down and check it out. Uh, Colin has a blog that people should be checking out. colinupton.blogspot.com Is that correct, Colin? Yeah, I think so. I think I remember it better than Colin does. And don't forget, if you want to check out past episodes, go to www.crowncommission.com This is CI Terror 101.9 in Vancouver from UBC. See you next week.
2: Hey crow Yeah. Come here. You see this stump? Yeah.
0: Listen, you fill the stump with acorns, I'll give you $2, okay?
2: Hmm. All right.
0: Yeah, all right. Good job.
1: Yeah. $2, $2, $2, $2, $2. Say, how much is that gun? This gun? It's four dollars. How much is that whiskey? That whiskey is one dollar. Give me the whiskey.
0: Hey, Crow. Yeah? You fill this stump with acorns, I'll give you two dollars.
2: Yeah, all right. $3, $3, $3, $3, $3.
0: Say, how much is that gun?
1: It's $4. And how much is that whiskey?
2: $1. You're doing a great job. Yeah. $4, $4,
1: $4, $4, $4, $4.